the TV fans are taking over. This is Across the Airwaves. another episode of Across the Airways, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV show episode reviews, along with news and opinions on the television industry. My name's Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico. This week we're going to be discussing our experiences as we get caught up watching Bones and Supernatural. As you might remember from last week, Dan had never seen Bones and I had never seen Supernatural, so we made a deal that each of us would get caught up in the other show and this week we're going to discuss how that's gone thus far. And before we get things started, I want to just kind of give a few bits of news information, kind of, go, of things going on with the website. Right now, uh, there was a situation that went down this week where I had to change the podcasting host site. And originally, we were with uh, Libsyn Podcasting, and they kind of raised the prices. So I decided to make a move to Podbean. What that means is you guys need to... If you want to keep listening to this episode or stay subscribed to us on iTunes, you need to go into iTunes, left-click on our podcast, and click Update Podcast, just so you're connected to the right feed. And if you need more information on how to do that or anything like that, visit our website at acrosstheairwaves.com. Uh, there's a blog post up on the site that will explain to you how to change things in case you run into any problems. Also on the blog... We added a, another blog writer. He's a friend of mine who went to Columbia College with me, and he's going by the pen name of Lev Lawrence. And he's going to be a writer of the blog, probably going to do posts weekly. Right now up on the blog, he's got an article on the pilot for a new show on ABC Family called Pretty Little Liars. I will not probably be watching this show. It's a, it's a teenage girl, 90210 gossip girl-like thing. I'm not going to be watching it, but he has a very interesting a well-thought-out article on that show. So if you're interested in the show or you're a fan of that type of genre, check out the article and read it. He also currently has a Buffy article in the works. I don't know if that's posted up on the website yet, but I know there's a draft of it sitting on our WordPress account. Keep an eye out for those. He's got a lot of great insight. He's very knowledgeable, and you guys will learn a lot from reading his article. So check that out. Also, you're going to be hearing me say this on the show for a couple months. Well, right now we're taking a survey of our listeners, and we'd like all of you to participate. And this basically is to help us get a sponsor for this podcast. Uh, this is not a cheap thing. Uh, we need a sponsor to do this. And by you taking this survey, it will help us learn more about you, kind of no matter how long you've listened to the show or how frequently you tune into us if you only watch episode one or two. We would really appreciate you giving your feedback on this show. Take a few minutes, visit the website at www.acrosstheairways.com, and on the right-hand side, there'll be an image for the listener survey. Click on that survey, that link on the homepage, and you can go and complete the survey. If you can do that, Nico and I would very much so appreciate it. So go check that out at the website. Just click the link. It's really simple to get there, and once you click on that page, everything's self-explanatory. If you've already filled out, a survey. There's already been two filled out so far. Uh, we really appreciate you doing that. And everyone just kind of keep going on 
I filled out the survey that would really help us out a lot. All right, so without further ado, we're gonna go into talking about bows. Bows is the show that I was watching on DVD right now. And why don't we have Nico read the summary for the show? Brilliant but socially inept forensic anthropologist Dr. Temperance Brennan works at the Jeffersonian Institute in Washington, D.C. After consulting for him on an FBI case, she is approached by cocky yet charming ex-army ranger turned special agent Celie Boot, who helped the Bureau solve crimes by identifying human remains that are too far gone for standard FBI forensic investigations. Brennan's empirical, literal view of the world causes friction with Booth's emotive, instinctive attitude, creating a volatile relationship. However, as their caseload increases, the symbiotic partnership produces results, and with the support of Brennan's squint squad, murderers, past and present, should be on the lookout. And so far, I've pretty much got midway through the second season right now of both and watching it. It was a really slow start. For me to get into this thing. I have a bit of an issue with uh, police procedural dramas. I think they're very repetitive and boring and it's the same thing over and over again. And as this show started out, uh, I thought the pilot was really solid, but after that it got really repetitive. And then around, I think it was about episode seven, the show turned around for me. I really got hooked on it. And this is the thing about Bones, is what makes this show great is not the police procedural part of it. That's a CSI thing. This show is all about characters. And they have very interesting characters. They're all very different from each other. They all have various different archetypes, which I always enjoy about shows. And their story arcs build. As the show goes on, they evolve and they learn things about themselves. And many times their character flaws are, are challenged, which made the show really interesting. And also the character stuff and the relationship that they that's something I really understand. So it really helped me out as someone who maybe doesn't know so much as about science and more on the artistic front. It really helps keep me grounded when I'm watching the show when the science stuff becomes overbearing and goes right over my head. I know, Nico, I know you have a real big background with science and things like that. So you probably get everything that's going on with the show. But for me, it's just it was a lot easier just having these character relationships because it helped me take a break. And it kept me from getting bored as well. The science is actually one of the reasons that this show stuck out for me was that it was very science-oriented, and a lot of cop shows just totally don't pay attention to the the forensics, even the CSI. They're, yeah. they're you know, later seasons, they're, they're barely doing crime scene investigation. They're more trying to be cops. And so this show kind of, with the forensic anthropology, which is something that very much interests me, really caught my attention. Well, you get to see a different atmosphere. CSI is all the police station. At this, you're going to the police station. You're going to the Jeffersonian Institute. You're going to going to different locations in some episodes. So it's really it's interesting. It moves around a lot more. Where CSI, you're kind of stuck in that one location. So that's really great. And, and also, you don't have a David Caruso character. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Walking around saying cheesy lines. You have people... We actually know what they're doing and are good at their job. And that goes for Booth as well. He's a real FBI agent. He knows his stuff as an FBI agent. And, and that balance between the science and then his kind of gumshoe casework, it's a really good balance. So we'll get more into that in a bit. But we're going to just start going through kind of each of the characters. So this is a show about characters. 
It's not really an episode or major things that happen in this story arc are worth discussion on this show. Because it's a dead body and they solve the mystery. That's kind of generic. I want to kind of get more into the characters. Before we do, I think, Dan, you're going to notice as the seasons progress, a major overarching story arc begins to emerge. And so you will get some more of that, which will be more important later on. But for the first season and a half, two seasons, definitely, it seems to be the same thing over and over again. And the characters are the main point of the story. But eventually you will have a, a more overarching story to to latch into and i think you'll enjoy that portion of it yeah i i'm looking forward to that then i really am. Uh, that's that that makes me more excited to keep watching this thing yeah I'm, I'm really looking forward to what happens with the characters but that that's even better so that's exciting first thing just starting off we're going to talk about bones our character tempers breaded if we'll go by that it's easier to just go by bones for the podcast's sake but in the first episode, the big thing about her was her paranoia. She's very paranoid in that episode. It was very off-putting. Because, like, literally in that episode, it was like every ten minutes, some guy would try to come up from behind her, and she would deck him. Knock him to the ground, or hit him, or some kind of thing. She also shoots the guy at the end, which becomes a reoccurring joke on the show. But it was very, it, it was off-putting. I was just like, why is this woman attacking people? At one point, she takes almost takes a baseball bat to her ex-boyfriend's head. And I was just like, wow, this is way too much. Why is she doing all this? And then when they got, the backstory came out, and it was like her family was murdered. I got it. I understood why she was so paranoid. Because I, at this point, I don't know the whole situation, uh, what happened with her parents. But I think that would make somebody kind of jumpy and a little paranoid. Losing someone that's important, I, I think she's scared of getting attacked. I do think, though, that partially it was a pilot thing, where I think they pushed the characters' emotions too hard in that episode, and they seemed to pull back, and it felt a little more natural as it went on. And I totally love this idea of Bones looking at the dead bodies if they're alive, and actually having a almost a loving, caring relationship with these Bones and these people. And it's interesting. I mean, she sees these things as alive, and it's really kind of cool, and also somewhat morbid, that she can communicate with these dead bodies. And the show really gets into the psyche of her, who she is, and why she does what she does. And they really play up well, especially the first season. There's one episode where Bones is, she has to testify in court. And she's kind of getting her butt kicked and she's boring the jury. And what gets her to win the case and interest the jury is Booth talks the lawyer into asking her why she became a forensic anthropologist. And it becomes this really deep, emotional thing. And it was really powerful to me. And I was like, I really like this character. I know she's off-putting in the world that she exists in, but to a viewer and an audience, it's like, well, this is a really different person. I've never seen this before. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I like I like your analysis of, of her for the first season and, and how they portrayed her. Now, I want to ask you, what do you think of Emily Deschanel she, as, as the actress? She plays it very well. I think so, too. I think she's the perfect, perfect actress to play this role. And I, I, I like her as she progresses 
throughout all five seasons. Well, the thing is, like her, her sister as an actress as well, yes. they kind of have this sarcasm about them that it's not, I don't want to say it's negative, but they're, they're kind of almost dreary, kind of like an Eeyore kind of thing at times. I guess that's the best way. I, I, Winnie the Pooh is kind of a weird example, <laughs> but they're kind of, a, a, I would say, kind of a dumpy character. Is that the best way to describe it? I, I know what you're saying, but I can't seem to find the words either to describe them. I've always thought of them as, as that perfect indie actor. Yeah. Uh, to play those indie, independent roles. And that's, Zoe is, is definitely the independent actor. Yes. Uh, and she actually makes an appearance on a later episode. Uh, that's not spoiling anything, um, yeah, because it's only a one-time appearance. But it's interesting. It was it was, it was fun to see the sisters interact as well, characters. Yeah, well, it just I, I'd say she has this kind of sarcasm and wit to her. Uh, Absolutely, them, that that really works well with this. And she makes the scientist aspect believable. She she's very good at at being able to switch from. Emotional to cold, held back, reserved scientists, and that's cool how she kind of bounces back between the two of them. I, I would say that she probably becomes less cold as the show goes on. It seems like each episode there's a challenge she has to face that gets her to open up more or be more open with people, and it's really cool. And she plays this idea. She's a character that really sticks strongly to her beliefs. And Emily Deschanel does a great job of showing that strength that Bones has and her not willing to back down on what she believes. And that's a really great thing, great quality for that character, and it makes her compelling. Absolutely, I agree 100%. The only thing, I kind of have an issue with this, it may make more sense as I go on with the show, but I don't get how she doesn't understand any pop culture. <laughs> I, I get the TV references, She's a very scientific person, so I, I don't see her sitting and watching TV or knowing about how a film works or getting Booth's references to the X-Files. I get that, but, like, there was one episode, and it hasn't happened again, so they might have cleaned it up, but she didn't even know what hip-hop was, and Angela was talking to her about, like, specific dance moves, and she didn't know what those were. And I would think how she's always talking about or fascinated with She's always mentioning, you know, their human tribal instincts and her interest in culture. And so I think she would look into these things. I think she would be interested in the whole hip-hop scene because it's a different culture to look at and view. Yeah, you're, you're right. And that was, a, I think, a flaw in that particular episode. But she is very much into the anthropology portion, not just the forensic anthropology Right. And dealing with the bones, that's her specialty, but she's also an anthropologist, so she does study cultures and things like that, but she just was not, she doesn't look at the American culture very much, she's more interested in historical cultures, so she's almost more like an archaeologist in her anthropology, because she's very good with the bones, and so she's a historical anthropologist as opposed to a modern day anthropologist that goes and lives with a tribe in Africa. But she's done that too, so she's kind of an enigma if you will, that she has some flaws in her in her own knowledge, but I think it gets better as the series goes on. Well, and the other thing is I would think she would have had somewhat of an interest 
before her parents were taken, or whatever happens to them. To me, it seems like they're kidnapped. I don't know if that's what happens, but it the the lack of television and things of that nature get explained a little bit as family dynamic gets exposed more in future episodes. So I'm not going to ruin that for you, but yeah, it, it's explained a little bit more. Uh, in last the last season, the, the fifth season, there's uh, an episode where they go back for a reunion, and that explains a little bit about her childhood that we had not seen previously, and it explains a little bit about that as well. In one episode, they, they are in her apartment, and she mentions that she doesn't have a television. So that's why she doesn't right. ever get any television pop references, although Booth is exposing her... To right. some of that culture. And, and I get that. I mean, I get the whole TV thing. It's just the music and not knowing about certain types of music and things like that. It was kind of off-putting to me. And also, right now, I have this view in my head of her as from, you know, age 1 to about 15. Before her parents were taken, she was a normal kid. And then this event happening with her parents made her who she is now. And it seems like she always kind of had some of those flaws her entire life, and then this event enhanced it. I think that's a good way to look at it. Okay. Because it's kind of it's like a, a monk type of thing, where monk always had his phobias and issues, but right. then a tragic event happened, and it made it right. worse. And Bone seems like the, that same type of dynamic. Yeah, that's definitely the way you should look at it. Okay, yeah, and, and she's fascinating. I can't wait to see where she goes as it moves along. And now I've got to kind of move on to my favorite character of the show, and that's Booth. I, I absolutely love Booth. He, he's a great character, and I get why they say that character lives up to the level that Angel was. I'm a huge Angel fan, and now I'm becoming a huge Sealy Booth fan. And now you can kind of understand on our discussions over the last couple of years why I've said that I don't know if he's going to be remembered as Angel. He might right. be remembered as Booth, because I love Booth as well. I do, and I, and I love it how he's kind of an old-school cop set in his ways. Yes. But he's got some new-school kind of functions. You know, he's hip, he's cool, he's good with the girls. He There's one episode where they go to L.A., and he knew just how to fit the look at L.A., and he's got these cool sunglasses and things like that. So it's cool, and I love it how he gets cranky. He's the typical old-school kind of blue-collar by-the-book cop. And I, I love it. There's one episode where Zack and Bones were in the car, and they were talking their scientific garbage. And Booth's like, can we have quiet time? We're going to play a, a game, and we're going to see who's quiet until we get to the place that we're going to. And, and I love that. It's just so much fun. And I like seeing David Boreas. I know he got to do it somewhat with Angel, but I really like to get to see him having fun with this character. Angel was always the brooding type, and it's just, it's fun to see his real, because I know his personality is somewhat like that, it's fun to see his real personality come out of the character. And what cracks me up about his character, I love it how he feels like he's this jock in high school, football player, and he's stuck somehow with all the geeks, or squints, as he calls them on the show, in, in, in talking about Bones and a group of scientists. I just kind of love how he's, he's somewhat embarrassed about them. And even at the bar, he'll say, you guys stay in the booth over there, and I'm going to sit at the bar. And you cannot sit at the bar with me. And it's just, it's funny stuff. Yeah, I like that. I like those things about him as well. 
going on with him, I mean, he's, yes, he's funny, and yes, a lot of the humor on the show comes from his character, but he also kind of has a dark side, or it's more of a dramatic side to him, and that's the idea of him solving murders to make up for his actions as a sniper. I really like that, and, and David Boreanaz, he always, I mean, he's known to play a character seeking redemption very well. And that's a thing that TV does. If someone is known and can hold together five seasons of a show or hundred episodes of a show by playing this type of character and it's known to work, TV's going to keep going with that. So I'm glad that they kind of made him somewhat like Angel as a character seeking redemption because that gets his fans of him before invested in the show but also allows them to build a new character from something that we know is familiar. So do you have anything more to add on that? Because I, I know you've watched them on both. Yeah, no, I, I, I think he, you're absolutely right that he, he plays that very well. And you learn that he's very patriotic. And his time as a sniper, he, it was a necessary evil, in a sense. And so he knows that what he did was was patriotic, but as a Catholic, he feels some guilt for having taken lives, even though he knows that, and he's had to shoot people on the show and kill them, but always he has to know it's righteous and a righteous kill. And I think that those characteristics make him a very compelling hero for us to root for. And the other thing with Booth is he very much so acts as a device to make Bones more personable. There's a lot of times where he is involved or he's he almost causes the challenges that Bones has to face with her character flaws, but at the same time, he helps her through them. And at the beginning, I took it as, especially in the pilot, it felt like that their sexual tension was more like argumentative than playful banter like what we have with Castle and Beckett on that show. Sure. And again, it's it's not as intense as it was in the first like three or four episodes now. It's a little more kind of quiet down, and they're friends. I mean, they challenge each other, but at the same time, you see that they're, they have, as it said in the description, a symbiotic relationship, and they help each other out. And it's cool that they're, they both kind of challenge each other to become better people and look past their flaws and have a different look at the world. You'll notice in, as the series goes on, this concept of their sexual tension will rise and fall and oh, yeah. rise and fall. It's going to be a roller coaster throughout the whole series. What's your whole take on the Bones and Booth relationship? I mean, is there anything else I'm missing with my description there or anything like that? No, you, you summed it up pretty well. I'm rooting for them to get together. That is where I have always been. Now, people say that'll ruin the show if they get together because the tension helps to make it compelling. But you know me. I'm a romantic. I want to see them get together. So, I I don't know. I think it'll be interesting. Now, the one thing I I do want to ask about is the kid, does he throw a monkey wrench into things? with Booth's kid? Yeah, because she was talking about how she didn't want to have kids and all this stuff. Does that cause a, a problem? Not that I can remember. I think uh, eventually Booth introduces, or, you know, he's introduced her to him. But when it's Booth's turn to, to have his, his son, 
Temperance is like one of his friends, and right. she's there a lot. So they become friendly, but there's never any monkey wrench. Okay. He's never a problem as far as I, I, I remember or can tell. Yeah, and, and as far as I've seen of her character, she's pretty good with kids. Yes. So I didn't see that as a problem. Right. And then, and then we've got another funny guy on the show, Hodgkins. I, I love his banter with Zach. Yes. And how they just go at it and just how he has such a dirty mind and Zach has no idea what he's talking about half the time. I love his paranoid ideas and he's always up on the newest either conspiracy. government conspiracy or paranormal activity. He's he's great at that. He cracks me up, but I kind of like how he's kind of a horn dog. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you need one of those characters on TV. That's a, It's a classic archetype. The actor plays it very well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love this. I love this character, and he he grows on you even more as the series progresses. So you can you have that to look forward to. I can. Uh, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. I can see his horn dog side getting challenged as the show goes on as well. Yeah, you you will be you'll be you'll be happy, maybe sad where with that where that storyline goes without giving any of it away. Things change but stay the same. It's 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 interesting his journey through the through the series thus far. And also I like how I would say the Jeffersonian's image is very important to him. Sure. You know, there, there's one episode I watched where they were on some archaeological dig and they found some soldier warrior. And Hodgins, he wanted to make sure that this was right and the science was right before they gave their findings to anyone. And he and Dr. Goodman kind of go at it about that. Exactly. So I like that, that he has kind of a noble side to him. Yeah, too. very much so. And I love it how he's secretly kind of everyone's boss. Yeah, the, that was a that was a quite a reveal when when you find out that he's he's rich and and the single heir to the most money you can ever imagine. Yeah, yeah, it's like oh my god, this crazy guy. But it seems to cause a lot of his friction with Doctor Goodman. I can see that. Yeah, definitely. At this point, it's kind of like, well, I'm kind of in charge of you, but you secretly don't know that I'm in charge of you. So we're kind of duking it out right now because really who is in charge here? Right. Because I do think he I, he views himself on the same level as Dr. Goodman, even though he doesn't want that position. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's interesting to where their relationship goes, but I know we don't get to see a whole lot of it because I know Dr. Goodman moves on or something happens. Don't tell me, but I know something happens with them where he's not there anymore. To be honest, I don't remember how okay. it happens. <laughs> okay, well then that's that's fine. And then we've got the character of Angela, who, in my opinion, I thought she seemed really nosy at first. And okay. almost annoying. But then I realized the reason why they did that was to make her a foil to Bones. And also to be the person that almost acts as a bridge between Booth and the Squints. Or Bones and Booth, in the sense that she isn't. Booth challenges Bones, and Angela is more understanding and friendly about her character flaws. Yeah. She won't really push 
bones. She'll address the problem, but after so long, she'll let it go. Yeah, I think she also acts, as you said, Booth kind of helps make Bones a little more personable. Angela helps Bones act a little more like a woman. Yes, very much so. And, you know, it was kind of annoying. Like, you know, I thought Angela, oh, she's the, the rumor mill woman. You know, she's talking about all these rumors and nights out she had and things like that. And really, it's not, she's not doing it because she's full of herself and she's bragging about herself. It's more, say, hey, Bones, guess what you're missing? Because she only has those conversations and makes those statements when she is around Bones. Right. So I find that interesting. It, it, she's, a really, she's a very good friend to Bones. And that's a great part of a show is when the main character has a friend they can talk to and discuss their problems. I mean, that's a great thing they need. They need a good sidekick, and Angela fits that. I also like how she sees dead bodies kind of the opposite of Bones, where she sees a dead body as a destroyed piece of artwork. And when a person's alive, they're a thriving piece of art. So she views these killers killing people almost as destroying art. So I get why she has a hard time to see that. And at first, when they first introduced her, I thought she was afraid. And she had a fear, like, ew, gross. Which, if the writers of Bones weren't as smart as they were, they would do that. They would just say, oh, she's grossed out. But the fact that they involved her expertise as an artist, and they, they put that into her fear of dead bodies, it's a really natural and actually idea that you're like, oh, that's kind of creative. So I really like that as well. Yeah, and it only gets better. Angela only gets better as the series goes on. But I, I can't wait to see that. And the other character I really like is Dr. Goodman. Okay. He act, he functions as the Bones, the show Bones is Wilson. If you've ever seen Home Improvement. Yes, absolutely, I yeah. can see that. You know, in Home Improvement, Wilson always knows just what to say to solve the problem. And Dr. Goodman is the exact same way, too. And he's a guy I kind of would want to work for. Because he knows just what his employees need to keep working and going. And he's a very good manager, and he's a very good staff leader. I don't think it works very well with Hodgins. But the other characters, he, he helps them along and things like that. And I'm, I'm going to be kind of sad to see him go at the end of season one. Hopefully whoever replaces them fills that void well. I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> okay. Overall, about Bodes, the best episodes of this show, at least at this point, it could change as I go through it, but the best episodes of this show right now are the ones where Bodes struggles with their character's flaws. That's what got me most addicted and connected to the show. And the two episodes I wrote down were from season one. And the first one was A Boy in a Bush. And that was involved the kidnappers. Uh, it was a no. It was a little kid that was killed by the ex, an exterminator that was okay. working on his block. And Bones had a great scene with his older foster brother to solve the mystery and also kind of fix his problem. She has a real issue with the foster care system because she was in it, right? And she confronts those emotions and those feelings she had when she was in there by talking to the kid. 
And the other one's the girl in the fridge, and that's when an old professor of bones comes back that she had a relationship with. And he ends up making her look like a moron on the stand. And says some pretty not-so-friendly things about bones. And Booth immediately, when that happens, goes in there and does everything he can to make Bones look good and this guy not show her up. And so that episode was huge because not only did we have Bones kind of open herself up to people, she opened herself up to complete strangers, which was a huge step for the character, but we also had kind of Booth showing how much he kind of cares for Bones and wants things to go well for her. So that was a big step forward for both of those characters. And I would say that was my favorite episode thus far. The other great thing about Bones is how not every episode is about the murder. They have different situations happen, different scenarios that they go through. And many of them involve like the legal process at the courts. One of them involved an issue at the Jeffersonian where Hodgins accidentally un- unleashed these spores that put the whole team under quarantine. And it created a character-building episode, which is really neat. So I like this how... It's not like CSI where they're solving a mystery every week. They throw things in there to mix it up. And they also deal with plot lines that involve other things like ancient artifact or ancient skeleton that they found on an archaeological dig. I really like that idea. And also sometimes the cases don't have that happy ending. It's not like Castle where it's like, oh, yay, we solved the day, which is fine for that show. That works for the atmosphere of the show. But with Bones, that had a bittersweet ending to some of these mysteries. And one of them was The Man on Death Row, which was an episode where a lawyer came in and made Booth doubt that the guy he captured as a murderer actually did the job. And at the end, it turned out that the whole thing was a ruse set up by the guy, the murderer, so he wouldn't get on death row. And he played upon Booth's kind of patriotism and his loyalty to the FBI Bureau. And so that was really kind of neat where they had somebody come in that really kind of ruffled their feathers and showed that this is the real world and things not all, don't always work out. So I like how Bones, the main thing is that it's a real show. It, it's real people dealing with real emotions and real situations, and I like it because CSI, I don't think, functions in a real world. So this is a really great show that does all those things and gives you all the character building you want. And I can't wait to see these people tackle an overarching story arc like they will starting season three. Is there anything you wanted to put in there, final closing notes with Bones or anything like that, Nico? Just that as the series keeps going on, I am becoming a bigger and bigger fan, and I think you will be as as well. All right. That sounds great. We're going to move on to Supernatural now. That's the show that Nico was watching on DVD to get caught up. The summary for the show is, when Sam and Dean Winchester were just kids, their mother was horribly murdered in front of their father by something supernatural. Their lives were never the same again. After their mother's murder, their father took an interest in the supernatural and the unexplained and raised the boys as warriors with skills to fight back against the unknown and protect the innocent. 22 years later, with Sam and Dean grown up, their father suddenly disappeared on a routine supernatural hunt. Sam and Dean search for their father and along the way help anyone with a supernatural problem using their dad's journal. 
that contains most of his knowledge about the supernatural that he had accumulated over his 22 years of non-stop obsessive hunting. I've become a quick fan of this show. From the beginning pilot episode, uh, it really caught my interest. And I've always been interested from my time as a little kid. I like shows like Erie, Indiana, Unsolved Mysteries, Laters in My Teens. I went to X-Files, the Buffy and Angel series. Anything that was unexplained kind of caught my interest. And these kinds of shows always fascinated me. Supernatural was the one major show in this genre that I had neglected to watch. So this deal with Dan to watch Supernatural this summer if he watched Bones was just the kick in the pants I needed to get this great show on my list of shows to watch. I got about... Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, just explain explain your issue why you didn't want to watch the show so people aren't thinking that you were neglecting this show. Yeah, it was not for a lack of interest in the in the show's genre for sure i didn't start watching the show because the two actors who play sam and dean were on gilmore girls and super uh smallville and i hated them hated them and their characters on those two shows and so it was purely out of spite for the actors that i did not start the show and then you get two seasons into a show and you start hearing that this is a great show and you're like well i can't get caught up now so i never started watching it and finally dan and i made this deal and it was enough of a a spark to get me interested and i like i said after that first episode i was hooked and i've been watching maybe three or four a day since then so go ahead with what you were going to say Sure, I, I only have about 11 episodes left until I'm caught up, so I'm right in the middle of season five. And uh, Dan asked me what a couple of my favorite episodes thus far are, and I have to warn that this is going to have spoilers, so if you're not up to date with this show, pretty much the rest of my analysis is going to have spoilers, just like maybe our Bones discussion had a few spoilers from the first two episodes, or two seasons. Alright. Um, but the pilot, like I said, this was an excellent episode. It got us into the story and plot line right away with plenty of action, a great cliffhanger at the end, and it was the perfect episode to get us roped into the show. Especially for me, it just grabbed me and would not let go. Well, especially with the introduction of the car. <laughs> <laughs> the, the car, Sam, Dean, his dad, or their dad, the death of their mother. We don't know at the time, but the yellow-eyed demon is introduced in that episode. The music. The music. Yeah, every, everything that becomes a staple is thrown at us all in one episode. And it just... If, you, if you're going to like this show, that first episode is going to nail you and just won't let go. Another great episode from the first se- season is episode 10, it's The Asylum. Yeah. Which was, was just a, a really cool idea. The location is great, because it's it's near where Dan Dan and I, uh, where I used to live and where Dan lives. And the insane doctor that was experimenting on his patients, that's a classic. That's a classic supernatural that they're going to come back for, with a vengeance. But it was cool that the, the most of the ghosts were not violent ghosts, rather they were trying to help get rid of the one bad 
Ghost, which was the Doctor. So that was that was really cool. And the next episode, the Scarecrow one, the Scarecrow was amazing. Oh. Yes. Uh, just an overall awesome episode as well. Does he go after that one with the shotgun? Is it uh, that where... Yeah, they, they, they try and kill it with a shotgun, but then they, yeah. it, it won't work, so they eventually have to... The only way to kill it is to kill the first tree. The myth, or not mythical, but the, the the supernatural tree that they brought over from the old world, and so as soon as they burn that, essentially the the scarecrow loses his power. Because that that scene where they try to fight the scarecrow with the shotgun, that is probably one of my favorite sequences of the show. Yeah, and Such it just an awesome scene. It just goes right through him, essentially, yes. you know. But then, season one, episode twenty one and twenty two, which is the two part oh, yes. finale. The finals of season one was just unbelievable. But the season finale for number two, season two, was even better. If, if you could imagine, season yes. one was amazing. Season two was like, oh my god. <laughs> With the opening of the Devil's Gate, the death of uh, Yellow Eyes or Zizel, and then John coming back. Yes. And uh, helping the boys kill him. So... That was amazing as well. I also love all the action that took place in both of those episodes. I was floored by how much nonstop action they had in both right, of I mean, those episodes. It was awesome. Season one, you have them fighting, oh, what is her name? The, the first demon, major demon. Meg. Meg, yes. Fighting Meg and then thinking they're going to go after Yellow Eyes and, and catch him and... They have to go and save their dad, and they do, and then they're in the car, and bam! And it goes to black, you know, after the car crash. And you think, how are they going to get out of this? Now, I only had to wait 15 seconds to put the next DVD in. I couldn't imagine having to wait all summer to see where, uh, you know, so... Oh, it was awful. So that actually brings me to one of my points, is watching a series on DVD is amazing. For that reason, because you can watch them back to back to back, and you can pick up so many more details and things like that. So I really like doing it this way. Well, this, this show especially. Yeah, but I'm too much of a fan of the shows to to not watch it during its live broadcast, you yeah. know, or at least on DVR. I mean, come on, who watches live? Anyway? Right. <laughs> and then season three, episode 13 was Ghost Facers. Yes! <laughs> that was a cool episode. The Ghost Pacers, I love that whole concept. Yeah, I liked the whole single, single camera, handheld camera feel. It was a unique and interesting way to tell the story. It was similar to, like, the Blair Witch, but better. Yes. I mean, it was it was the, the camera style of Blair Witch and, and Cloverfield, but much better. And funny. Yeah, and funny, because, well, I mean, it's Sam and Dean, come on. Yes. <laughs> And then uh, season three, episode sixteen, "No Rest for the Wicked," which was the season finale. Yeah. Uh, Dean's death. I mean, come on, that that's amazing. And then the cliffhanger at the end, where he's in oh, hell, yeah. all chained up, and he's got. Uh, that was a, a long summer. Yeah, a giant meat hook through his shoulder, and he's crying out to Sam. I mean, come on, that's a compelling. See that that's a long that was a long summer. That's all I have to say. Yeah, but that what was awful? 
we also see in that episode is that Sam is able to survive a Lilith attack. Yes. That proves to be important as we go along, and so it, it's that was also an important revelation from that episode. Also, that episode has one of my favorite scenes from the show, when they're in the car singing Dead or Alive. Cause I'm a cowboy On a steel horse I ride I'm wanted, wanted Dead or alive Dead or alive Dead or alive <laughs> Yes. That was yes. such an awesome way to go into a final battle. And then season four, episode one, uh, when Dean returns from the dead, and what I said about this was, this was the beginning of the best season of the series. Yes. I thought season four was the best. I can't really comment on season five fully because I'm only halfway through, And but season four was the best in my, and I know you told me that you felt the same way. Yes. And virtually every episode of season four was worth watching. It's a home run every episode. Absolutely. And the finale with Breaking of the Final Seal, when Sam goes uh, all dark side and kills Lilith, and the release of Lucifer onto the world and the kickoff of the apocalypse, that in itself made the whole season worthwhile. Even though I was saying every episode was awesome, it wouldn't have been as awesome if this finale had not happened, you know? I would say that that show, when it started the, the finale arc, which started in the episode where we met Castiel's vessel. Yes. When we got to there, up until probably about episode 10 of season 5, it was non-stop intensity. Yes. It hit the ground running and went flying. And it, it was awesome. It was probably the most compelling television that was going on at the time, in my opinion. Okay, yeah, I, I, I wasn't watching it live, but I can only imagine. I, I mean, this was the point where I said everybody's got to watch this show that is interested in sci-fi and horror and things like that, because it's, it's incredibly well-structured. And I, and I see you felt the same way with it. A hundred percent. I am never going to doubt you again about a, a series that you... <laughs> mentioned you need to watch this if you give it a glowing recommendation that's good enough for me man yes and and, and this one yes and also for those of you listening right now get the dvds and watch this show i don't care what you're doing you can stop the recording right now and go and get these dvds because it's that good of a show yeah so listen to nico listen to me and go get those dvds yeah, and if you don't want to spend the money, go to Netflix and rent the yes. first season. Just rent the first disc of the season, and you'll get hooked, and you'll be renting all of the seasons. Yeah. This is a show you need to, you need to be watching. And uh, Supernatural, the show is all about the brothers. Yes. And the first brother I want to talk about is Dean. My- I love Dean. Dean. My favorite character you, on television right now. I know you're, you're, yeah, I know you're on board with me on this. But he's, I I truly feel he's the hero of the story. Yes. yes. Sam is, is, is important, he's, he's good and everything, but Dean is our hero. 
He's mm-hmm. an everyman. He's a badass. Okay. He's a solid hero in every sense of the word. And he even has his flaws, though, too, you know? So yes. that, that makes him real. You know, he's, he's not like... I, I don't want to trash our, our another one of our favorite characters, Superman, yes. but he has very few flaws. Dean no, is a, Clark is has a, flaws on Smallville. Clark has flaws on Smallville, but when he becomes Superman, he has very few yeah. flaws. He has weaknesses, but not flaws. Right. Dean has flaws. You and yes. I have flaws. He makes it... He's going to be a real character, a real person that we can relate with, because he has those flaws, and we see them. Now, Sam, there's no question he has flaws. Oh, yes. <laughs> You'll see more about that on season, in season five. You haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, I haven't gotten there yet. But, yeah. Okay. And I know you uh, you wanted to talk about some of Dean's relationships with kids, such as uh, in season one, episode 18, where there's the, um, I forget what they call the monster. They call it Striga. Okay, yeah, and he comes through the windows and, and kind of sucks your life force out of you. And there's the, another young kid, a, a kid that's very similar to Dean in that he has to take care of his little brother just like Dean did with Sam while their mother works. And yes. there's no dad in the picture. So it's, it, it's almost like a mirror image of, of Dean in this, in this episode. And Dean really recognizes with this kid. And I think that's because he's always, always going to be the big brother and right. looking out for the, the, the little brother, Sam, even when it's another kid. Well, the flashbacks uh, of that episode do that, too. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the first time that I remember us seeing any of their childhood. Yeah. Other than in the pilot when we see it and it's, like, live action before we jump to the to the, the current time period. But, yeah. And uh, and again, in, in, in the episode where we meet what I still believe is Dean's son, even though they kind of said no, and he's, he's scared at how easily he falls into the uh, father figure with that kid, you yeah. know? And, uh, and he looks at, at, he looks at the, the, the kid, um, I'm blanking on his name, but he, um, he looks at him and he sees a lot of himself in him. And he takes care of the other kids when they're breaking out. And I, I think also it showed him a little bit of what his life could have been had he had a normal childhood and a normal life. And these episodes and, and others that we'll see in, in other instances really show, like, Dean's character development. Yeah. The, the season one, episode 18 with the Striga, that's the one where I decided that Dean Winchester was one of my favorite characters on television. That yeah. episode sold me on him completely. I got that he was the hero of the show... I got his flaws. I got who he was, and that was the thing where I said, "I am never going to miss this show when when it's on. I will sure. never miss an episode because of that episode. That was the turning point for me. I would say, sure. So that's why I wanted to ask your opinion on that one. Absolutely. Now, uh, Sam. Sam is a great character as well. Uh, don't get me wrong, but I don't relate to him as well as I do Dean. No. And I, I also lost a lot of sympathy for him. With uh, the whole demon blood addiction and Ruby fiasco, yeah, he's rede- his his search for redemption in season five though is compelling and and definitely yeah. makes you start rooting for him again. And it gets better as it goes. Okay, good. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that. Now, the relationship between these two is really what the story, the whole story, is about. Yes, and 
the relationship is strong, but it's also codependent. They they rely on each other, which is good, but they're also a little bit bad for each other at the same time. Throughout the series, we've heard some demons and some other characters warn that they are each other's weak spots, and they are so eager to sacrifice themselves for each other that that's kind of unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. That aspect where they were, you know, looking to sacrifice themselves for each other started to annoy me after a while. I mean, one time, okay, two times, yeah, three times, yeah, <laughs> I'm getting annoyed. But the re- relationship now in season four and five, you know, with it being strained and not, not really healthy, I'm hoping they'll turn that around in the, in the future and work out their differences. And I hope they become more friends in addition to being brothers. You yeah, know? I, I would say that's where it's going to go. Okay, good. The future of that show seems like that's what they're going to do. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, you, you'll uh, see why. Yeah. Now, you had asked about the relationship with the car and whether it it's a joke or if it's something more. And I wanted you to talk about that one a little bit because I know you have... Well, the thing is, it's kind of irrelevant now because you saw the episode. Oh, okay. Because I, I was going to... At the beginning... It came across as kind of almost a joke right. or a device to do something funny with Dean, especially the episode with Bella where she wrecks the uh, she takes the wheels off the car, right, and it gets towed, and he's like, "Why? Why didn't you do this?" And it's funny stuff. But again, as it goes on, and as you understand, with the episode where he goes back in time and talks the dad into the getting the car and things like that, that it's almost he sees it as his house. Yeah, it's his home that he grew up in. Yeah. So you're already at that point that you get that. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting that when they were in the Trickster episode in season five, yes. and Sam becomes Kit yes. <laughs> in his car, that was hilarious. That, that that was great. And Dean's digging around in the trunk trying to uh, find his the weapons, and Sam's like, Dean, that feels quite uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm not comfortable with this. And it, it was funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great, great things. Yeah. Now, you had asked me if I thought the death of John Win- Winchester was necessary or whether it happened maybe too soon in the, uh, yeah. in the series. And I absolutely think it was necessary to make Dean and Sam the heroes of the show. They needed to strike out on their own and learn to go hunting just relying on the two of them. If their dad had been there to fall back on all the time, then I really don't think they would have ever grown as characters or grown up and become the heroes that they'll need to be to take on the apocalypse that I'm, I'm watching right now. Right. So I, I think it was absolutely necessary, and I think it needed to happen early so that we could really believe them as, as the, the full-fledged heroes that we see them today. Right on. Okay. And then I also kind of, you asked me about the constantly sacrificing themselves, and I kind of already touched on that, that it's kind of getting on my nerves, but I'm hoping that, like we said, their relationship becomes a little more healthy, a little more friends and brothers. I Uh, I also hope that they stop the sacrifice thing now. Yeah. I think they've beat it to death. They absolutely have. (laughs) So, it seems like they said that season six is going to be a kind of a reset button. 
Mm-hmm. So I hope that's one of the things that gets axed. Okay. Or reset. Yeah. Now, season three, we saw the the addition of uh, a few reoccurring female roles, like Joe, Bella, and Ruby. Joe, and, Joe was season two. I know some Supernatural okay. fans get testy about stuff like that. So I, okay. I was just kind of... She that kind of spills back into season two, but I just okay. we'll talk about all three in general. Sure, I like the Joe and Ellen storyline, and uh, I wish yes. there had been more of Joe on the show because yes. Elena Tall, who plays Joe, is crazy attractive, and I would have much liked to see her more and more on the show. Darn those hellhounds! <laughs> <laughs> and I think it would have been interesting to see a Dean and Joe relationship. I know some people will will shoot me dead on, on sight for having said that, but I think it would have been interesting to see in a relationship more than just what it was, where there was definitely an attraction and a sexual tension, but I, I, I would have liked to see something come of that. You'll Send see your... why. You'll see why. <laughs> yeah, okay. Send your hate mail to across the airwaves at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ellen... You're as cold as ice! I liked her as a surrogate mother for the boys after their dad passed away. And I liked her character, and Samantha Ferris was the actress that played her. I think she was a good choice for the role. Yeah. I don't know if, if, if you liked her her role, or the character, but I did. I think what needed to happen with her was, I think the reason why she wasn't in season three and four was, one, Bobby's character was getting played up a lot more. And two, she almost was becoming John, in a sense. I can see that being a problem, and that's why I said she was like a surrogate mother. Right, and I think they were Uh, scared of falling back on that. Yeah, and like I said, he needed to die so they could strike out on their own. So, yeah, it was good to see her disappear for a little while. But I, I liked the character, and I liked her. Bella is on the fence for me. Okay. Good character in that she caused trouble for the boys, but wasn't really playing for either side. So you couldn't trust her, but sometimes she could help you, that sort of thing. It was interesting. I know other people don't like her and didn't like her character and were happy when she eventually bit the bullet or yes. uh, rather got dragged to hell by hellhounds. Many, many people. I was actually surprised by that death. Because I was expecting her to show up in some future episodes to maybe help and hurt the Winchesters, as depending on how her schemes were going. Like I said, they would never be able to trust her, but it was kind of interesting when Sam had the sex dream about her. Yes. And I thought maybe that was going to go somewhere, but... Yeah, I, it, I did too. Maybe it was because of all the backlash from some fans that they thought, nah, yeah. you know, we better not... We better not cross some of our hardcore fans and, and give them a, a relationship or even a, a flirting around, and it was essentially just a, a weird dream. Now, Ruby. <laughs> oh. Ruby, I did not... Well, let's put it this way. The first Ruby, I liked. I liked the first actress that played Ruby. She was attractive. I could see why there was... A, later going to be something between Sam and Ruby. I liked that she came in and they got the knife from her. That was a good plot device to get them a very important piece of artillery for later episodes. But 
the whole second Ruby, new body, new actress. I really couldn't understand why Sam fell for her. She just was unattractive. She was a terrible... I don't want to say a terrible actress. She played the role terribly. I did not ever yeah. feel compelled to like her or see where Sam was going, why he had a, any feelings for her or any loyalty to her. And it's not just because I didn't find the actress attractive. I felt like the quality of actress went down with the uh, change in actress. Yeah, and, and the reason why for that, that was a backlash of the writer's strike. Okay. They, they wanted to keep the original actress to play Ruby. The okay. The issue was they couldn't pay for her. Okay. Uh, whatever extra money they had to give to keep the writers around cut their budget to pay for that actress. Okay. So they they told them basically they had Bobby and her on the cutting room floor. Okay. Well, I'm glad that they went with went with Bobby and kept him around. Yes, that was the idea. Okay. Now uh, you also asked me about the FBI agent and the. Now, can we take a step back real quick? Sure. There was one thing I want. The thing is, I always kind of wanted to see two things. One is, I always thought that Bella and Ruby would cross paths. And maybe that there would be some kind of tension between the both of them and Sam. Which would have been an interesting thing. And I also thought that Bella was going to play a part in getting Dean out of hell. Okay. I thought I thought that would happen too. So th- those were two theories on there. And I wouldn't have mind. I think people were opposed to Bella because they thought she was going to become a love interest for Dean. I never saw that. I just saw her as a reoccurring villain that would come in and cause problems. Okay. So I would have been fine if they kept her around or brought her for one or two episodes in these last two seasons. Agreed. Okay. All right, so uh, you could ask me about the FBI agent and uh, that plot line yes. and whether whether they should have tried to keep that around. And you and I had talked about this a little bit last week when we were just uh, talking, that I actually thought that they were going to turn him into an ally and start getting help from maybe him at the FBI in finding cases. Right. Me too. And moving uh, moving forward in the in the story, it was unfortunate that this character left the show or was essentially killed by Lilith, and we later learned that he was tortured before being killed. It, I I liked where it was going after they kind of realized that he and Dean were very similar people, that they were very committed to their work and. The agent's work just happened to be catching Dean, but now that he knew that Dean wasn't a criminal, I thought that there would be a friendship there that could be mutually beneficial. Me too. I was really disappointed to see that character go, especially how much they made me like him in that episode where he was killed. Yeah. It was a bummer, and I do feel like that was a writer's strike issue too, where they needed something shocking to happen the end of the season, and that was a, I think that was a bad loss. Yeah, it was unfortunate. Yes. Definitely unfortunate. Okay, let's move on to season four. Now, season four, one of the major additions is Angels. Yes. And you asked whether or not I like it. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I like the idea of bringing the Angels into the storyline, but I don't like the way that they're portrayed necessarily. They're arrogant, sanctimonious asses. 
Yes. You know, and they, they think they're better than humans, which essentially is what they tell us is what caused Lucifer to fall. Yes. So it doesn't make a lot of sense until a little bit later when we realize that some of them are turning away from God. Right. But this still does not put a good light on on angels. And those of us who are religious and kind of maybe felt they were portrayed poorly in the show, kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. And still, Cassius is definitely a good ally, and I Cass- like the character. Castiel's good, yeah. Oh, Castiel. Oh, yeah. Who's Cassius? That's, that's a character I know. Uh, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> but Castiel, yeah. So I was, I was a little bit irked by the way they're portrayed, especially in season four. What was Cassia's boss, Zach- Zachariah? Zachariah? Yeah, did not like Zachariah. Yeah, that's explained. Okay. That's explained. You're not there yet. Okay. The archangels, they are a little too whiny for me. <laughs> all angels are a little too yeah. whiny for me in the show, but the archangels... Well, yeah, they, they just are, they're annoying to me right now, and where I'm at, they haven't been cast in a good light, as I've said a couple times already, and I'm a, a little disappointed with that, but I like the idea in general of having the angels show up and be a part of this fight. Yeah, there, there's that going on. Uh, the main thing I'm going to warn you about this, now that you said what you said, something happens in... I want to say it's episode 13 that may really throw you off but just stick with the show <laughs> just, yeah. just well, trust me let me put it out there for all those people who maybe have some Catholic friends I'm not the kind of Catholic that won't watch something because it necessarily portrays the Catholic faith in a, in a negative light or something of that nature I, I have the ability to disassociate my own beliefs and, and feelings from a storyline because I know it's fiction. So I'm not going to stop watching the show just because I don't like the way the angels were portrayed. Th- that's not, not going to be an issue for me. I'm just giving my own opinion at the moment that I didn't like the way they were. But it hasn't diminished my enjoyment of the show at, at, by any means. There, there's just a concept that happens in about episode 13 and 14 that's really hard to take in. And the reason why it's that way is it's story device. Okay. So the, the main thing with the angels thing, in my opinion, they went with story instead of fact all the time. And, right. And I know they do, did that for a fact with the other supernatural creatures on the show. Yeah. They've yeah. taken some liberties with them that aren't necessarily true, and they did the same thing with the angels. Right, and that each artist has his own license yeah. to, to, to do that. So it's, a, it's uh, all a story factor, and, and it's to make Dean more heroic and be challenged. Okay, good. We kind of talked about Sam and Ruby already. I don't yes. want to beat that to a, with, beat that horse to death, but the, the idea of bringing more Bobby in in Season 3 and 4, I really enjoyed that because Bobby's a great character as well. Yes. He kind of acts a little bit like a surrogate father, but not to the point where we're worried about right. what we're talking about with their actual father. He He's almost like a, another big brother, in a sense. Yeah, but, I would say that's the best. Yeah, another big brother. 
I'm hoping that he gets out of the wheelchair soon so he can kick some uh, demon ass again. But I only want that because I think he can play a bigger role if he's right. not in the wheelchair. I know that sounds terrible, but he's kind of been sidelined by it. And there's that one scene with him and Dean where he had previously, with the man, the man witch, yes. <laughs> as they called him, at the end of the episode, Bobby had previously said he was thinking about suicide or had thought about suicide, but he was too much of a coward to do it. And Dean essentially said, family, don't you ever think about taking the easy way out again. Uh, and that was a great scene. But I feel like Bobby needs needs to get back in the fight fully. And right now his, his role's been relegated to an advisor role, yeah. which, which he's good at. But at the same time, we, I want to see him in the thick of it some more. And I'm hoping to see that in the rest of Season 5 or maybe next year in Season 6. There, There's a reason for it in an episode coming up. Okay. It needed to be that way for them to do something in an episode coming up. Okay. But don't worry. Okay. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all right. And uh, the final thing you had asked me about for season four, I'm going to let you talk about this, was whether I felt like season four had a Empire Strikes Back feel. What I meant by this is I felt like, in Star Wars, the darkest point of that that series is the end of Empire Strikes Back. And yeah. I felt like season four, the end of that is the darkest point of the series. I totally agree with that, and that's what I thought you were yeah. were implying. The question, it kind of has that feel like going into the season five. We don't know what's going on. We we've been turned on our head. Right. You know, Sam Sam released the devil. Yes, Sam committed the ultimate evil, trying to do the right thing, and so we're our our whole concept is flipped on its head, just like. The, the knowledge that Darth Vader was Luke's father and was right. once a Jedi. Exactly. So I, I totally see your, your point there. And I think that's what made that season so compelling. Yes. Is that they played upon the things that made that movie great. And this is probably the, the closest thing I've seen that got to that level. Okay. In a long time. And as we said, season five or season four ends with Lucifer being released. And so season five, obviously is going to start with the repercussions of that happening. And we see the new villain, obviously being the devil or Beelzebub or Lucifer, or however you want to call him. What do you think of his betrayal? Lucifer's betrayal of guys? I mean, no, Lucifer's betrayal on the show. The way they explain it, that he wouldn't bow down before, no, not that, just the character, because you've seen some of him, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what, what you mean by that, though. Well, I mean, like, is he a good villain to you? Because some people thought he wasn't very scary. He was he was kind of weak compared <laughs> to Yellow Eyes. Okay, well, I'm a huge Lost fan, as you know, yes. and I thought it was very interesting to see the, the actor who played Jacob on Lost as Lucifer, because the epitome of good on the Lost show was Jacob, and now he's the devil on Supernatural. So that in itself kind of makes it bigger for me. 
So maybe I'm getting lost because I'm seeing my character that was ultimate good on Lost, or, you know, that's what we a lot of us thought for a long time, now being the ultimate evil. So I always kind of find that interesting when you, you recognize an actor from another show and you kind of have preconceived notions about that actor or the character you play. And so now he's showing up on another show that I'm really interested in. I got to do like a mind reset to be like, nope, that's the devil. That's not Jacob. Wait till I watch Lost. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not sure at this point how well the character Lucifer will play out. Like, yeah, I can see why people are thinking he's kind of a a weak character. Because you think Lucifer walks the earth, everything goes, it becomes hell on earth. But that hasn't happened yet. He's still got to bring the the four horsemen of the apocalypse. It's like, doesn't really have much power, it seems like. So I can see why people are saying that it's kind of weak. But I'm interested to see where it ends at the end of the season, where it goes from here. So, yeah, that's pretty much what I, my feelings thus far on uh, Lucifer. Now, what did you think of the revelation about the trickster? That was an amazing episode. That was probably my favorite of this season. Yes. I've only seen the first half of the season, as I said, so it's the best of the first half for sure. I loved all the TV references and making definitely making fun of Grey's Anatomy. I thought um, you would like that. What's great is, as you know, the, the actor that played uh, the dad on Supernatural also played the character of Denny, who ultimately becomes a ghost yes. on the Grey, uh, Grey's Anatomy. That was funny to me, looking back on it. And Grey's has gone so far into the toilet that making fun of it on Supernatural seems almost like it's 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 being nice to it because it's giving it they were, press. They were showing of all their competitors. Yes, which is which is great. I love yes. I, I love when they do things like that. <laughs> the David Caruso. Yes, that was great. Yes. The reveal that the trickster is really the arch archangel uh, Gabriel. That was that was awesome. It was amazing. I don't know about you, but when I was watching it, I didn't I didn't realize until right as they lit the oil that it was an angel. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't had no idea that it was gonna be Gabriel. Well it was uh, uh, go ahead. Well I just I, I Gabriel it kinda I thought maybe it was gonna be Raphael we'd yeah. already been introduced to or something like that. Gabriel is probably the most famous other than Michael. Yeah. He's the the word of God or not the word of God, that's that's Jesus, but the voice of God. That's how he's described. And because in the Old Testament, you know, the burning bush and things like that, you humans can't can't understand the voice of God. It yeah. would kill us instantly because our brains aren't able to comprehend. So he has to speak through an intermediary and that's usually Gabriel. Right. So came to Mary and told her that she was going to conceive Christ and uh, went to uh, her cousin, I'm forgetting her name at the moment, but ultimately John the Baptist's mother and told her that she was going to conceive John the Baptist. And him coming out of the blue was a shock to me. I don't know about you. I, I, the best thing about it, the biggest problem I had 
with the beginning of the season was the introduction of I, I didn't know how they could explain that character, the the, the trickster, and the sense okay. that they said he was the Norse god and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Because it said because the show basically was saying we're going with the Christian belief system. So I was like, how the heck does he fit in there? And then it completely made sense when they said, oh well, he's an angel. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I, I was good with it then. Yeah, I was good with it too. I just was... I and was that was intended. Poor. They were going to do that. Okay. To begin with. So it wasn't like it was a surprise, but it was a great way to patch it over and fix the problem. If, if there was a problem, I mean, they could have thought it all along. But it's great, and he has an arc in the second half of the season. Okay, good. That's That's important. And remember what he his role is because okay. it explains something else that happens on that episode I told you that's a little hard to comprehend. So just remember what his role is and it'll help you along. And I like the actor that plays him. And him being an angel, all of it makes sense. The yeah. the the mystery spot episode, all of it makes sense. So it was yeah. one of the greatest twists and I love the character. I forgot to put the Mystery Spot episode in one of my favorite episodes, but that definitely was. I'm a huge fan of the Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Yeah. So them doing an episode like that was was awesome. And playing Asia was good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and. Huey Lewis in the news on Wednesday. You know, that was yes. great. Great Back to the Future reference as well. Exactly. Yes. Okay, so really to wrap up, my my overall feeling on the show is that it's one of the best shows on television right now. I'm really enjoying watching it, and I'm looking forward to seeing how they finish up this last season, or season five, I mean, the last one done already. And I can't wait for next season. Friday night's going to be awesome. Yes, Friday night is going to rock my world. Smallville, then Supernatural. That's the way I've watched it for years. I'm glad it's back together. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be great. And you'll see what I mean, how great that is. Anyway, we are going to wrap up the show for this week. Next week, we've got a really exciting episode. We're going to take a look at probably the best movie of this summer, Toy Story 3. And if you haven't gone to see it yet, go see it. It's a great film. And we're also going to talk about The A-Team, which was actually a, a surprise movie for this summer. I really enjoyed it. I was really surprised at how enjoyable that movie was. So we're going to take a look at both of these movies and kind of give them the respect that they deserve. And that's pretty much covered that. And then coming down the pipe, we're going to do an episode about the television show, the cartoon, Avatar The Last Airbender. And I'm currently watching all of that show right now and we're going to have a special guest come on to talk about that show with us and we're also going to set it up the week that the last airbender comes out so you'll have a great frame of reference to have as you go into going to see that movie coming out made by M. Night Shyamalan also you can contact us at a variety of different places to comment on this episode or what we have coming down the pipe and you can email us at across the airwaves at gmail.com. You can also 
Twitter us. We have a link to the Twitter page at our website, www.acrosstheairwaves.com. And you can also access our email there. You can also comment on a variety of articles that we have there. And also you can leave a voicemail for us. And Nico, what's that number again? 773-809-3363. Also, I'd like to give a shout-out to our first emailer of this podcast, Michael J. Petty, who also was a part of an episode of Starkville's House of Bell. I'd like to thank him for sending us an email this week, and I hope he continues listening to our show. It seems like he really enjoys it. And once again, I'm Dan Schmidt. And I'm Nico Reifstead. And until next week, we'll catch you on the airwaves. We now return to our regularly scheduled program.